Well, hello, and welcome to this new episode of Head and Heart, a podcast by Probe Ministries. I'll be your host today, Paul Rutherford. I'm a research associate with Probe, and Probe is a ministry that exists to help Christians think biblically the other six days of the week, to think with a biblical worldview all six days of the week, all the time about all things. Probe has a number of resources. You should check out our website, probe.org. There's uh, tons of resources there as well, but this podcast is one part of it. And today we're going to be talking about the delusion of transgender. The delusion of transgender. Transgender is a huge topic. It's a big topic. It's very controversial. And to do it, I have invited my good friend and colleague of many years, Sue Bolin, to join us in studio with the podcast. Hi, Sue. Hey, Paul. So glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you back. I always enjoy having conversations with you. Thank you. You have so much to add about this uh, this topic in, in general. In fact, since we're already there, would you mind sharing with somebody who maybe hasn't heard this before, is unfamiliar with you, just uh, your experience with the transgender topic? Well, it started over 20 years ago when Probe needed someone to address the topic of homosexuality because it kept getting bigger and bigger in the culture. And I knew nothing about it and volunteered to do the research so that I could provide a, a Christian biblical perspective on that topic. And by God's grace, he led me down a path of um, all the research that I did was from a redemptive perspective that basically said, this problem is not too big for Jesus. Mm. <laughs> and he's in the process uh, of changing lives. And so that has been part of my heart for 20 years. I've had the privilege of working with a ministry that helps people dealing with unwanted homosexuality. Hmm. And then the whole LGBT part of the the broken sexuality um, grew over time. And so I've been immersing myself in perspectives that would allow me to understand the subject of transgender from I want to hear the hearts of those that are going down that path and believing it, as well as understanding where do we come from biblically in analyzing it and understanding it and uh, healing it, mm. because it is, a, it is a form of brokenness. Yeah. Well, so what I hear you saying is that you started doing research on homosexuality a number of years ago mm-hmm. for your work here at Probe, and then that has changed over time into what's into the trans issues that are related. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Because this has sprung up just in the last several years. If people, if you're looking for information on transgender from a hundred years ago, you're not going to find it. You know, this is a recent phenomenon and, you know, it's various sexualities keep breaking into smaller and smaller splinter groups, which is how, you know, we end up with the, the alphabet, the sexual Alphabet, L-G-B-T-Q-I-A-A, you know, each splinter group is smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. And we need to talk about it because it has exploded, especially among children and teens. Hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, I appreciate a couple things that you said there, and and one is just that this issue is what I would say historically brand new. Mm-hmm. Just historic, just in history of cultures and history of of the West in particular, we don't have records of this ever being dominant mainstream culture. But these days, you can't turn on the TV, can't watch a movie, can't listen to radio, you can't read news, you can't read about what's going on in politics and policy and public policy without hearing and reading about transgender issues. That's right. And uh, it makes sense because when we start redefining about gender and gender and who we are, 
it affects every part of our life. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason this conversation is so significant, because it affects public policy, it affects economy, it affects families, it affects relationships, it affects so many things. And that's why it's important that we talk about this today. And um, we really want to equip you as a believer in Jesus to have a compassionate perspective for those who are wrestling with transgender issues. And as Sue, I think you're going to share with us later, a really under spiritual attack. Mm-hmm. I would add to that, Sue. The second part is that we want you as a listener to think biblically about this and think rightly about it, but do so with an attitude that is compassionate and gracious. Because o- too often we see people who are have the quote unquote right answer, but <laughs> are so ungracious mm-hmm. about it. Westboro Baptists, I think, are a great example. Like there God bless go. them, God love them, but pray that they that the Lord calls them to repent in their attitude. They've got the quote right answer, but they they're doing it. In, in a way that's not loving or gracious. And so that's mm-hmm. not, so what we want for you, listener, is that you have the the right answer. You have biblical truth, which we're going to talk about and do so in a way that's compassionate. And no one better to learn it from than you, Sue, because oh, you have you. such a heart for folks who struggle with this. And so I'm glad to be having this conversation with you today. Thank you. So we're going to talk through some of the things that you want to talk through. And so let's start with the first question, I think is a great opening question. What have you learned about transgender through your research on it over these past years? Well, probably the best way to approach it is (laughs) to walk through the lies that are floating out there in the culture about transgender, because that's what it all is. I I keep thinking that there is no better example of the story of the emperor's new clothes than the whole issue of transgender. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, scam artists approach this incredibly narcissistic emperor and tell him that they've got some magical fabric and they can make a magical suit of clothes for him. Um, But the only people who can see it are those who are worthy of their positions or however, you know, that's, that's expressed. And, and he just goes in for the scam. And the bottom line is he ends up throwing a parade for himself and everybody keeps talking about how great he looks and he's you know he looks in the mirror and can't see anything because he's not wearing any clothes and finally a little kid says the emperor is naked he doesn't have any clothes on and of course they try to shush him and to cancel him because he's speaking the truth and he's not allowed to speak the truth because there's this delusion going on and i i just think that that sums up the whole issue of transgender this this lie that one can change their sex, that they can change their gender. And, and I th- separating the concept of sex and gender, I think, is an issue that needs to be addressed. You know, that's we're saying sex, your biological sex is whatever body you're born into. Your gender is however you see yourself to be. And to me, that's like separating the white and black keys on a piano and saying that they're in two completely different categories. No, they're not. That's not the way it works. Um, God creates us exactly the way he wants us to be. He makes us in his image. He makes us male and female. And that binaryness of of gender is really important because it's a reflection of the unity and diversity within the Trinity. Mm. And so, I mean, there's this massive spiritual dimension to gender that is easy to miss um, if we if we don't see the whole big picture. So as you mentioned earlier, um, I am deeply 
concerned about the spiritual warfare aspect of this issue. I believe that the enemy has come after people in a particularly insidious and wicked way, lying to them about who they are, um, about um, the lying that they're not made in the image of God, that you know, they should be able to make themselves over into whatever image that they they see themselves to be. And people are being deeply wounded in the process of, of believing a lie, embracing the lie, and then saying, if you aren't on board with me, if you don't accept the lie along with me, I'm going to call you narrow-minded, bigoted, transphobic. I'm just going to label you with all kinds of names, and I'm going to tell you that you're hating me, and I'm, I want you to shut up and go away because you need to cooperate with me in this delusion that, you know, that's what they're buying into as a delusion. They're being mm. lied to. They're being deceived. Yeah. And it makes me furious at the enemy, and it makes me deeply, deeply concerned for those that are buying into the lie. So the first thing I heard you say of what you've a good way to communicate what you've learned from your research over the years is that the the story of the emperor's new clothes is a great illustration of what's going on, mm-hmm. where someone is in this case the king is fed a bill of goods that are not true. Mm-hmm. And when a lie is repeated often enough and loud enough, people start to buy it. And when the king throws the parade and says, look at me, look how good my new clothes look. Mm-hmm. Everyone else goes along and just, just toes the party line. Oh, yeah, the, the king's new clothes look great. The emperor's new clothes look great. And the reason they do that is because part of the lie is um, that you can only see it. If you're a certain elite status person, you know, that you're worthy of your position or you're good enough or whatever. Mm. And so people don't want to um, not agree with the party line lest other people think badly of them. It's it's an image management sort of thing. Mm. And so there are an awful lot of people in our culture who are very afraid of not being seen as progressive enough and Mm. enlightened enough. And so... They're going to go along with with this image that is being portrayed that is not consistent with reality. Mm. So then it becomes more about demonstrating, uh, agreeing with the position in this case, affirming mm-hmm. that transgenderism is good, to be really clear. Uh, it becomes more about affiliating yourself with the, that you're a good person. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Now, I'm reminded of something that I read some months ago that I want to share here, that I'm part of a... F- Well, it's a private Facebook group called The Changed Movement, and it's a lot of people and their loved ones who lived with a homosexual identity or a transgender identity for a while, and particularly those who have come out of it, whose eyes were opened, and then they realized, this is not who God made me to be. And there's a a lot of discussion in terms of parents and family members of those claiming um, a a gay or lesbian or transgender identity. Um, And they they have some very interesting interactions with those who are no longer identifying that way. They call them detransitioners. And the question always comes up, you know, my son, my daughter insists that I use the opposite sex pronouns and their new name. What do I do here? Um, Such a great question. And one of the, the, honestly, the most insightful comment I've ever read came from someone who is no longer identifying as trans and said, when I was insisting to my family that they call me by 
you know, the right pronouns and my right name. The reality was that even when they went along with what I insisted, it wasn't ever good enough because I knew they didn't believe it. I wanted everybody to believe the same thing that I was wanting to believe was true. And I knew that my family didn't believe it. And so it was never enough. And that's part of the whole gender ideology uh, worldview, which is no matter how much you give, no matter how much you give in, it's never going to be enough. Because they want the whole world to buy into a lie. And there's going to be too many people who refuse to do that. And it's never going to be satisfying. It's never going to appease them. Yeah, that reminds me of, um, I think it's the Proverbs that talks about there are a number of things that are never satisfied. One is like the ocean being filled with water, fire being consumed with by wood, and I, I think like the the barren womb, there's a couple, mm-hmm. three or four others, but there's these there are these patterns in nature that there are things that just can't be satisfied. Mm-hmm. And what I hear you saying is when it comes to this, the insight you learned from this person who shared, who has detransitioned, recognizing the, in the demand for, hey, I want you to comply with my preferred pronoun. I want you to do this and that. And even when families or respected persons, people that they loved, went along with it and complied, it somehow still was not enough for them. It wasn't, it didn't satisfy what they really wanted. And it just indicates that there's a greater spiritual need for what's going on. Oh, man. It's the truth that sets us free, Jesus said. And the problem with transgender is that it's all wrapped up in denying the truth. And there's going to be a problem with denying the truth. We're talking about the delusion of transgender today. Um, I'm your host, Paul Rutherford, and uh, Sue Bowen has joined me in studio. We've been talking about things that she's learned over the past years in her research in, in transgender and working with those who have transitioned and have detransitioned. Great insights, all of them. Sue, thank you for sharing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the next question I have for you is um, our culture seems to value live and let live. Just laissez-faire, let people do as they will. What is wrong with this attitude of people pursuing their authentic selves? Well, let's talk about the phrase authentic self. Um, it's, it's very big in the culture. And what it means is, who is it that I think I want to be inside that um, is not necessarily consistent with how I really am, who I really am, who God made me to be? As a matter of fact, what I've observed over the last several years is when people are identifying their authentic self, it tends to really be talking about their flesh, the part of them Mm. operating completely independently from God. How is it that they want themselves to be? And it's so much of it is buying into the Satan's lie, or the the enemy's lie. And so um, this whole live and let live, what what's wrong with it is that when people are embracing something that is destructive and is going to not go well for them, it's going to be hurtful. And love means reaching in and saying, I need you to be aware that this is not going to go well. Mm. Proverbs says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And there's this whole thing of um, embrace your authentic self is the way that seems right to a man or right to a person, but it ends up with the death of what they were intended to be. And so love means interfering and, and intervening and speaking the truth, at least offering the truth. Um, you asked earlier about, you know, the things that I've learned about transgender. Let me let me walk through some of the the biggest, most egregious lies that I've learned about um, 
about transgender. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to hear those. The first one would be that people can be born into the wrong body. This is a thinking disorder. It's not a biological problem. There is no such thing as having been born into the wrong body. God is the one who knits us together in our mother's womb, Psalm 139. He makes us exactly as he wants us to be, and he is the one that chooses male or female. No one is born into the wrong body any more than someone is born into the wrong species. It's impossible. You cannot be born into the wrong body because God is the one who creates the body and creates the person to inhabit that body. That's so good. I love that. I hear that all the time. I mean, I have oh, yeah. friends of friends who say, I think I was born this way. I was born the wrong gender. Mm-hmm. Now, here's an in- interesting thing. They've been doing studies for years about children who were uncomfortable with uh, with their bodies, you know, thinking, I, I, I really am a girl or I really am a boy. Um, and we really need to ask questions about what do you mean by that? What does it mean to be a girl or a boy? Why is there discomfort there? And I really think it comes down to gender stereotypes rather than being born the wrong gender. Mm. But here's the interesting thing. Um, Depending on the study, from 70% to 98% of the kids that that express discomfort with their gender and when they're in their bodies when they're young, once if they're allowed to go through puberty, they change the way they see things. It's like puberty resets that wrong thinking. Hmm. There's something so powerful about growing into the adult body and getting the huge influx of sexual hormones that resets gender dysphoria, which is feeling uncomfortable in your own in your own body. And so what we need to be doing is called watchful waiting, not rushing in with cross-sex hormones and gender reassignment surgery, you know, cutting off breasts of, of 13-year-old girls or 16-year-old girls for that matter, you know, cutting off the male members of boys, I mean, which cannot possibly be reversed. And, and we're also lied to about... You know, let's just let's give you some hormones, puberty blockers, press the pause button on puberty. And then if you decide that you don't want to go down that path, we'll unpress the button and things will continue on as they were. And that is not what happens at all. And you particularly cannot reverse anything that is surgically mutilated the body. Hmm. You know, so this whole idea of this is all reversible. No, it's not. Hmm. There is... um Oh, there's so much damage that is done to people's bodies by giving them cross-sex hormones. Um, A female's body is supposed to have estrogen, not massive levels of testosterone. A boy's body is supposed to have testosterone, not massive levels of estrogen. And Mm -hmm. so when you get the wrong sex's hormones, there are all kinds of problems that come up. So, for example... um, there is bone damage, you know, it weakens their bones. Um, when girls are given testosterone, they get a permanently deepened voice. They end up with hair loss. Um, there's infertility. Uh, for a girl that's given testosterone, she's she experiences vaginal and uterine atrophy. Hmm. Um, when the younger the kids are who are given these hormones, it prevents their bodies from maturing sexually. 
and they, they can never catch up. And so if they're given these hormones for any length of time, they are doomed to live in an adult body with child genitals, a child sexuality. Wow. Yeah. And they're not telling kids about this. They're not telling them the long-term yeah. effects of this. Speaking of which, there are no long-term studies to say this is what happens when we start giving children cross-sex hormones and we and we do you know surgeries there are no long term studies on this because people have been starting to do this recently and so it's a lie to say this is reversible it's not it's an evil wicked thing to do this to children i recently read an article by a woman who had issues with her own well i think she had Maybe she had her ovaries removed or something. And so she had to go on hormone replacement therapy in her early 30s. And she had to sign a waiver saying that she understood that there are going to be deeply resonating long-term problems with this. And she recognizes the risks of this. They're not doing this with kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, parents are rushing kids to gender clinics um, and the gender clinicians are rushing in these hormones and surgeries um, because the parents want to love their kids well, but they're not being told the whole story. And so there is a growing number of people, particularly outside the U.S., um, Sweden, Finland, um, close, close to the place in the U.K. where we're going to say, no, 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 we need to put the pause on, on the hormones because – Bad things are happening in the bodies of those where the kids are being treated this way. And so, oh, it's just, it breaks my heart to see what is happening to kids being told that they can be whatever gender they want to be, and they, they can't. And then, for example, when you suggest to um, a boy from the time he's a toddler, you know, we're just going to let your hair grow long and let you represent yourself as a girl and he lives out his childhood as a girl, he's never going to be able to be into a conversation with a group of girls where everybody's talking about their first period. He's not going to be able to do that because he's not a girl. He's pretending to be a girl, but he's not a girl. And one of the most heart-wrenching YouTube videos I saw of a young woman who took testosterone for several years wanting to transition to be a guy mm -hmm. is she realized I was wearing a chemical mask. I was pretending to wow. be male. I never could be male. Yeah. I wasn't ever going to be in the world of males because I've never been a male. I've just been pretending to be one. Mm. And it is so incredibly sad um, to, to hear this regret which is why there's a very powerful website called sexchangeregret.com, which is story after story after story of those that realized I was lied to mm. and I bought into the emperor's new clothes story, mm. you know, and it, it didn't bring me, it didn't make me happy. Mm. Can and you repeat so, that website one more time? Sexchangeregret.com. Thanks. And actually I have met the man behind it who, um, lived as a woman, had the surgery for either 8 or 12 years, um, came to faith in Christ, dealt with the issues that had made him so confused and hurt in the first place, and then realized this is not who God made me to be. And he's been living as a man for, for years now um, because that's who God made him to be. Yeah.
Man, you know, I, I listening to you say all this, Sue, is is really troubling and disheartening. Mm-hmm. And particularly just how dangerous what's being said that uh, going through with, when children start receiving medical treatment mm-hmm. for transitioning gender and then being told this is all reversible. Yes. It's almost as if saying, hey, we can do this. And it's like the classic sales line. You know, you can cancel at any time. Yeah. Full refund. 100% guaranteed right. money back. It, it comes, it almost, it feels like it has that kind of reassurance, that mm-hmm. weight. It's like, I can always change my mind and there's no consequences. But what I hear you saying is that's not true. That's right. Because there are tremendous consequences. Even once you start pursuing that road, gender blockers, hormone blockers, uh, obviously surgery, mm-hmm. when things are cut off, that stuff doesn't go back. No, that's right. And they're lying things like, okay, well, yes, you're having your breast cut off. If you change your mind later, you can have breast reconstruction surgery, just, you know, like cancer, breast cancer survivors do. It's no big deal. That's a lie. It's a harmful, hurtful, devastating lie. And I'm, I'm so angry at, at Satan, um, which I think is behind this and he's got hordes of demons cooperating in it because people are being lied to and they're being hurt and they're being wounded and and they're left with devastating consequences afterwards there's a growing number of people so easy to find on the internet whether it's a reddit group of detransitioners or those telling their stories on forums of of their time claiming to be trans thinking that they were trans and then realizing this did not make me happy. And that's, the thing is, there's so many mental health issues um, that go along with those who, who take a trans identity. Um, so many are anxious. They're depressed. There's some suicidal ideation. Rather than talking to them about their mental health issues, so many people just slap the label transgender on them or they allow kids to slap it on themselves and go, okay, here's the path we're going to take rather than dealing with the true issues of why are you struggling with who you are and how you are. Mm. Um, the internet is is the number one offender in this area. So social media is is what's responsible for the vast number of girls, especially, who with have absolutely no markers, no indication that they struggle with their their femaleness, suddenly announcing that they're trans. And they're, um, these are a lot of the same girls that in years past struggled with eating disorders because they were talking to other girls who were anorexic mm. who struggled with cutting because that was a thing. You know, um, you, the more you hear about your peers doing this, Um, girls especially will gravitate toward those same behaviors and that same way of thinking about themselves. So one of the worst things that kids can can have is the unfettered access to social media on their phones. It's it's scary what damage that it's doing. Mm. If if I'm not mistaken, there was a 4,000% increase in girls claiming to be transgender in the UK. Um, because they were they were on TikTok and Tumblr, two of the social media platforms, where they could find lots and lots of people talking about this, uh, about transgender, and this is who I really am, and and they were it was it's socially contagious, so four thousand percent increase. Uh huh. Wow, that's crazy. That is. 
And that's one of the reasons why I see this as a spiritual warfare issue. It's beyond just psychological. I think there is a huge spiritual issue behind it because God was delighted to make each person, each child as the boy or girl, the male or female that he made them to be. Uh, He knew what he was doing when he made when he made them in his image with his care and his love. And so to say, no, God made a mistake. I need to fix it Mm -hmm. is, is it, I believe is a demonic lie. And one that's dangerous too. You know, Mm -hmm. one thing, uh, I have, uh, little kids. They're all under, I've got several under 10 and that's for some time now I've been bestowing upon them, their identity and affirming to them, Hey, God made you a boy. And that's a good thing. It's a good Mm -hmm. thing to be a boy. God made you a girl. And that's a good thing. It was God's idea. It was a good idea. It's good that you're this. Um, but lately, I've been adding on to that. Hey, God made you this. It's good. Now I've been adding on, and that can't change. Oh, God made you a boy, and you. that can't change. You you will always be a boy. You will die a boy, and that's always a good thing. And you will die a girl, and that's always a good thing. I've, I've been adding that now just to see plant those seeds. Really simple truth for my kids when they're young. Bless you like, for that. This is what it is, and it can't change. So... Good, good for you. I oh, mean, yeah, thanks. your but- sons are stamped. The, every cell of their being is stamped with the XY chromosome. Mm. Every cell of your daughter's being of her body is stamped with the XX chromosome. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you cut off or what you add in terms of hormones. That's not going to change. Yeah. And I, I think of the long term view. A hundred years from today, all of us will be face to face with Jesus one way or another. And we're going to begin getting resurrection bodies. And that body is going to be the 2.0 version of the body that God originally made Mm. in the correct gender that he chose, that he created. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I had a conversation once with someone who was 12 years post transitioning into being a woman. Mm -hmm. He he wanted to be a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not. Uh, He's a man pretending to be a woman. And deeply, deeply um, bothered and and grieved by the changes that he made to his body. Oh, okay. And I assured him that in his new resurrection body, he is going mm. to be the man mm. that God intended for him to be, that mm. that will be restored to him because mm. he had put his trust in Jesus. What fantastic hope for those. I mean, someone listening might be trans. They might have already gone through the trans process. And if you have, there's hope for you in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear you saying. If you've placed your faith in Jesus and you trust in him for your life, for uh, the atonement of all of your sin, Mm -hmm. then in the resurrection, you still have hope. You still have Jesus now and forever in glory, but the resurrection body will be a particular joy for you. Absolutely. I think that's, that's so true. You know, Jesus is going to make all things right. And if anybody was uncomfortable with the body that they were in, that discomfort will go away. And, you know, if, if for those of us who have trusted in Christ, he's going to set everything right. And um, that is a for sure promise for the future. I'm That's so fantastic. glad. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, we're over time. Uh, we've been talking about what the a surprise of transgender <laughs> today with my colleague, Sue Bolin. I think there's some notes that I made that we didn't get to, but is there anything else you want to add, Sue? 
before we uh, call I, this podcast a close. I scratched the tip of the iceberg on this. Um, I just we'll posted, have to do another episode. There we go. It. Well, I just posted a, a blog post at probe.org called... Yes, the, what is that called? The Lies You Hear About Transgender. The Lies You Hear About Transgender. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's, there's a lot more information there. Um, I've just been immersed in these details for a long time, and there's a lot more in that blog post. And so... I'll, I'll just mention that. Okay, great. In, a, in addition, I'll piggyback on that, Sue, by saying there's lots more related issues at the website probe.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, in particular, address other transgender issues, other issues related to broken sexuality, homosexuality, same-sex attraction, things of that nature. If you're struggling with this issue, please check out the website. There's more there. If you're a parent of a child who's struggling with it, please check it out. I think it'll be helpful for you as well. I hope this conversation has been encouraging to you to help you think biblically about transgender. Our culture is very confused about gender, gender identity, and sexuality. And so I hope that the scripture that we referenced, Genesis 127 in particular, the very beginning of the book, God's book, he drops a plumb line and says, here's how I made you. And that includes your identity. So we want to take a biblical perspective and we want to do so with compassion and grace so that you can learn to respond with compassion and grace in all things. This is one of those many mm-hmm. things. So, Sue, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for joining me. And, um, listener, we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.